Hello everybody and welcome to She Talks Tech, where I profile women in technology and STEM careers. My aim is to elevate and amplify their stories and inspire more women to join this field. Through detailed interviews with successful women in technology and STEM, I explore their career paths, challenges, successes, and advice for aspiring professionals. Join me as I celebrate the achievement of women in technology and STEM and discover the diverse and exciting opportunities available in this field. Today, I have a pleasure of hosting my very own flesh and blood, my sister, Rendini Baloi. Hello, Rendi. Hi, thank you for having me in this platform. Hello to your audience. Yeah, how's it going? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm excited and I'm happy. Yeah, I am excited. And actually, today I'm going to be in a very interesting position because I'm going to pretend as though I don't know a lot of things about you. Sake of she talk I mean, I, I'm looking forward to actually also being in a position to learn new things about you because I, I as much as I'm your sister, I don't think I know everything. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone knows everything about anyone like that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited to pick new stuff from you and I'm excited to learn from you as well today in this episode and more than anything I hope this is inspirational for the young professionals and for anyone who listens for that matter and just want to give a quick shout out to mom for giving birth to three (laughs) girls and shout out to our middle sister so yeah uh, I mean we never really do shout outs but I thought hey hello (laughs) why not (laughs) (laughs) so let's start from Murundeni the little girl right how does a young days look like oh that's an interesting question so my young days I think pretty much exciting Mm -hmm. um yeah I think I grew up an artistic person so those who know me very well know that I'm a poet so at that time I am trying to write poetry and you know um, I was still writing about about this about HIV and age I think everyone who starts writing poetry at like a very young age you know, you want to write about environmental things. You want to write about water, how it gives life and everything like that. So, yeah, I think I'm at a point where I'm like just really excited about life. I'm so hopeful as well and very dramatic. <laughs> the drama is something I can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so do you still write poetry? I still do. I still do. I have advanced a lot, you know, mm-hmm. since my early days. And right now my poetry is like very specific. I write about God and everything around God. So that is my niche. That's that's the way I have found myself. I wish I could write poetry about love, you know, about, (laughs) you know, every other thing that people are writing about. But my niche really and what really communicates to me is is writing about my faith and the different aspects around it. Okay. I mean, I think everyone has their niche and you have found Mm -hmm. yours. 
I wouldn't necessarily advise that you try out and really aspire to be anything else than what you are. So yeah, I am happy for you. I want us to actually, while we're still dwelling on this early days, having watched you grow, I know that you are very much self-aware. You're very much like somehow is inspired a word inspired but I don't know what yes. inspires you but I know that you're like very inspired in the thing so like, I want to take it to people in this case who inspires you in this very early days of your life like who are you looking at and you're like hey I want to model this person and why is it me so I don't know actually <laughs> I, I I really don't know because I, I think me <laughs> no, I'm at that point, I think you were still also trying to figure out your life. You were still in high school or primary. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because we are talking about my early days, right? Yes, so I really do. don't know. I think it's just something that is embedded in my character. I am just that that ambitious person. I am so ambitious. I've always, I've always been great. <laughs> Even in my early days. Oh my I'm god. Great. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> I know, I know, but I really can't can't tell at that point yeah. who is who is inspiring me, you know. But one thing I know is that like I just have that ambitious and passionate kind of character. Sometimes I'm not inspired about anything. I'm just so passionate that yeah, whatever it is that I'm doing or you know, whoever I'm interacting with, if I'm doing something, I'm passionate about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I remember, I actually remember we used to play this, I don't know how they, how they call it in English. You know, that, that kind of playing where you have like a house, you have a child, and, and it's like you're just like replicating the household life, you know? For anyone who doesn't know what this is, um, I advise you to pick up your dictionary and find out. I don't know yeah. what Matumbani is yeah. in English. So yeah, Imatumbani is stronger. So I remember, you know, that used to be like very real for me. To me, it was like real world, you know? Okay. Even the way I played with dolls, if you remember, I used to give my dolls my clothes. I used to actually sew clothes for them. And they'd look really pretty. Like, so to me, it was like so real. And I was doing it passionately. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember that. I, I remember yeah. actually just like, like your dolls would actually win a, Africa Fashion Week or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that very well. Yeah, so, and then in those early days, again, I know that you touched on a lot of things, but what's that one specific thing that you wanted to become in your early days? I wanted to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanted to become a doctor. And then, yeah, that, that is that. I wanted to become a doctor at that time. Why did you want to become a doctor? Maybe it was the in thing at that time, you know, if if you were to look at an inspiring career or a go-to career, it was being a doctor. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it could have been the, the influence that we have. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I think I was doing well at school, kind of. So, you know, how they influence you in school at that time, you're like doing 
you are doing well, you are doing your maths and all that. So they just kind of like tune your life in that direction. So yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah, I remember that very well. I remember how, funny enough, I also wanted to be a doctor at some point in my life. And yeah. it was also not my decision. It was not yeah. something that I said and were like, oh, I want to be a doctor. I was told that... I behave like a doctor. Also, my grades are channeling me into being a doctor. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, I, I think th it was just the influence at that time. Yeah, but also I, I didn't go as extreme as during career. Maybe we didn't have career days in my school, but I, I remember in your school, there was like this career exhibition of some sort and we had to go hustling codes for you to <laughs> and, and, and everything so how did that change over time for you what made you at the end not become a doctor do you still want to become a doctor or have you uh, moved altogether no I don't so a lot of things happened uh, as I was growing up so I participated in a whole lot of different things in school I was in debate and because of debate and, you know, we were going like to different schools debating and then we won it and all of that. So I now thought I'd make, I would make a very good lawyer. So at some point I wanted to be a lawyer as well. And then you, you were now part of gay culture and you took me to the vacation work programs day. And like, I really liked the technology. I liked what they were teaching us. So I went back to, to do a bit of research, you know, about how I could use technology in the lines of being a doctor. So I found a career called nuclear medical technology. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, I think at that time, that was like really exciting. You know, if anyone asked me, what do you want to become? I would like just clearly state I want to be a nuclear medical technologist and it just sounded fancy you know in high school when there's teachers visiting and they're asking you such questions and you just give such a bombastic word it sounds really genius it sounds like you know what you want <laughs> but yes. yeah but it's just like something I found in the internet and you know I, I found it possible but as you were saying we had to search for the code now it's time I think it was around the time where I now wanted to apply for varsity we are looking for nuclear medical technology and it is nowhere to be found <laughs> it is nowhere to be found so but later I found out that you have to like really you have to do medicine and you have to specialize I don't know how many years after that you can actually become a nuclear medical technologist so you have you have to do your first seven years of being a general doctor and then you specialize and, and all of that. But I think life happened in its ways and I found myself at WITS doing Bachelor of Science General, you know. So how that goes, especially at WITS, is that you are like in the first year doing, you know, those general courses. So I had like maths, I had biology, I had... I had physics, I had chemistry, I, I had, I have I mentioned maths? Yeah. So in the second year, now I had to choose which um, one course I was going to go with. So I went with, with biology. I think at that time, I still had the inspiration to become a doctor. 
because they told me that I can actually branch into being a doctor after I've done my, my third year. So I think I still had it in me to some extent, but my mind shifted a lot with information and also with discovering myself. I think that is what Varsity does for a lot of people. You discover yourself, you discover what you want. So, so part of what I did in my Bachelor of Science second year in biology was practicals, right? We used to do practicals where you go out to the field, you are collecting some data about something, and then you come back to the lab, you enter that data into computer, we are using RStudio to visualize it, and it was just all nice. So I really liked practicals, like with all of my heart, I would go all out for them, you know, writing reports, hypotheses, methodology, everything, interpreting the data during discussions, right? So at this moment, like right now, I am in the field of data science. So, but at second year, you know, I was just loving practicals. I didn't know, you know, like to me, there wasn't really much into it. I was just loving practicals. So I think in third year now, someone who was a tutor in maths, for me, I just, you know, he was just like telling me about his decisions. So he was doing his master's, I think at that time, he's honest and he wanted to go into master's and he wasn't sure if he wanted to do master's in data science or, or mathematical science or, or what, what, like he, he was just deciding and he was just like really passionately telling me about it. And I got to ask, what is data science? And he, he started to explain it, he explained it, explained it. And I was just so excited after that conversation because I was like, this is me. See what you're talking about? This is me. <laughs> so I went back home, I researched data science and I was just like really excited about it. And I was like, oh, no wonder, you know, because data science does not confine you into one person. And what I mean by that is, you know, you 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 are not like a biologist. I'm I'm not um shading all the other uh, careers. I'm just trying to explain that uh, you are not you know one one person. If I can put it that way, you know. Yeah. So in data science, you 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 work in like a certain domain, either in the biology field or in the finance field or in economics or in whatever industry it is. And then you are using technology in those different spaces. So, yeah. So I, I really resonated with everything was telling me when I was doing real research, I really liked it. And I was like, this is exactly who I want to be. It makes sense why I was liking practical so much and, and all of that. So yeah, that's what happened. But at that time I'm doing third year and I'm like, I really can't quit, you know? It, it is so much effort and so much investment that had been done for me. I can't just quit. So I just started with YouTube videos. <laughs> I started learning data science with YouTube videos. I used some of the uh, links that we were given to download textbooks to download a data science textbook. And I was trying to learn it for myself while still juggling school. But yeah, I think I, I wasn't really giving it as much time, but I had planned that this is really uh, the career that I want to go for. So immediately after completing my degree, I just went right straight into data science 
and thank God with talking to you, you referred me to uh, Mabu Manai who mentored me so well and guided me so well. And yeah, I learned data science immediately after I arrived home from res. I started learning data science throughout December, throughout January, going on like that. Yeah, so this is how I became a person in data science. <laughs> you know, after a whole lot of thinking, okay, I want to be a lawyer because I I love debate and I'm doing it so well. Or I want to be a doctor, you know, I, I like the technology, but I also like the doctor, so I'm going to do that. I remember there was also this girl who, who was in matric before me. So she really inspired a lot of us in our high school. She was, she did actual science. So at some point, I did want to become um, an actual science scientist. If you remember, while we were applying for varsity, we actually applied for, for Bachelor of Science and Statistics. I don't know why we could not get actuary. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, yeah, if you remember, I actually almost went to the University of Free State for Bachelor of Science and Statistics. So it was a whole lot of confusion. I think it was, it, it's also because of my character, you know, like I like bits and pieces of whatever. <laughs> so, so data science just makes me a wholesome person because it doesn't say do biology or be in finance or be in that, you know, I'm using technology in those different industries, mm -hmm. you know, to answer questions in the, in the different industries. And it's just like perfect for me. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it is. I don't want us to just quickly move from your data science journey, right? We are yeah. going to talk about the work that you do right now, but mm -hmm. before we get to that point, you did mention that you had to pivot as soon as you were done with your degree. Mm -hmm. And this was something that was happening during the time when you were like, okay, now that I have my degree, I could actually just go and and become a biologist or whatever, or environmental scientist. But yeah. you decided that you were going to self-teach with the help of Mawu, like you've said. Yes. And let me in in that journey. Tell me how that looked like for you from like self-teaching, picking up data science as a field, and also what made you stay in the process because I imagine that somehow self-teaching can be easy in general. Okay. So it begins with having a guide. So as I mentioned, shout out to Mabu for really guiding me and mentoring me throughout the process. So it begins with having a guide. So I had a guide of, you know, what I start with and then what I move into later, etc. So, so I started with data science with Python in Data Camp. So Data Camp is really friendly for someone who's transitioning. I think that's why he chose that for me because it's really friendly and easy to follow. So they 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 structured their courses in a manner that you can really understand. You can you can practice what is being said, and then you have a project there as well. So self-teaching for me was not really hard, right? But there were things which I did not understand and I would, you know, call my mentor for guidance, but it was not as hard, you know, because the videos are there. I'm just like following what's there. If I don't understand, I go through it again. You know, I have a, I have a workbook 
that I'm using to to take notes, to to reimagine what I just learned and and think about it. And then I have exercises. So after every video that you have in Data Camp, you actually have an exercise, like about three exercises for it. So that made it very easy for me as well. So most of it was was doing this this module, finish with it, doing the next, finish with it, doing the next, finish with it. And then if I don't understand it, I have to, you know, go through it over and over and over again. Okay, so just as a quick one, for anyone who doesn't know who Mabu Manailing is, Mabu is a rock star in the AI and data space. Absolutely. <laughs> He's a principal AI engineer working for one of the banks. And yeah, I really, more than anything, appreciate the kind of work that he puts in as far as the data science space is in South Africa and the world in general, because we, I think we need people like him and we need people who are very passionate. It is evident the kind of work that he does, because I am talking to one of the people that he, he guided and today yeah. we are sitting here and we are talking to a data scientist. So while we're still in this data science field and data camp and self-teaching and all this kind of stuff, do you advise anyone to self-teach? Yeah, I think so. But it comes with discipline. It comes with determination as well. I was so determined because at that point I had made a decision that I am not going to be a biologist. I am going to be a data scientist. I was so ready to become a data scientist that, you know, every moment I had in that December, remembering it quite well, you know, I just wanted to study because another thing that that really pushed me so much was me thinking that, you know what, I'm not going to go through a, another varsity process. You can imagine how it feels like, how, how you feel like as someone who's like coming fresh from varsity, you just completed a degree and you're like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. So that was the same attitude that I'm not going to go through another three-year or four-year varsity experience doing data science because that is adding three more years of studying and I will not be making money or anything like that and life has to go forward <laughs> you know so I'm thinking to myself that yeah I, I don't want to work as a biologist or as a as an environmental scientist because uh, I, I in third year I took the the route of environmental science within biology so yeah I, I was sure that I, I don't want to do that and I want to be a data scientist. So I was just so determined. I did not struggle with discipline because I had defined my why at that time, you know? So I think maybe that is also one of the things that people should consider when they want to self-teach, you know? Why do you want it? So I had defined uh, my why. I, I, I knew for sure that this was the thing for me, you know, because I can say even in the degree that I did at school, I wasn't sure, you know, as I have explained, there was just a number of things I wanted to become. So I found myself, so I can say I found myself doing the course that I was doing. It was not out of, out of my passion, my ambition, or, or wanting to do it for real. 
you know i can just say i found myself doing it so i wasn't sure of it so now when i found a career path that i was sure about you know it was more like i was fooled by something <laughs> i went right straight into it there was a lot of discipline involved and a lot of hunger as well you know hunger to become so i yeah the, i i did it with with all of my heart so i would advise people to self-teach if that is the route they want to go into but i must say that there must be discipline you know because you don't want to be starting something and not finishing it you don't want to be starting it and then pausing it and then come back to it again so i was doing it continuously every day i was getting certificates after certificates because after completing a, a, a course so that platform gives you a certificate and then now they give you the i guess the big certificate of the whole course but after every little you know every little video you finish you get like certificate so i had a a, a target that every week i must be getting two of those you know so i was just staying on that and sticking to it That's so amazing. so yeah. yeah, so in summary, I'm saying that the root of self-teaching is possible and is doable, but there has to be determination and there has to be discipline as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how long did it take you? So it took me, the first one took me three months, right? That's that's how I was, I was fast with it. I think generally... That cause, if, if you are doing it and you're a person who is working and have other responsibilities, you might even take four or five to six months. But I finished it within three because it was the only thing I was doing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that sounds really amazing. And kudos to you for taking on something and seeing it to finish. I want us to move now to... Now having to use the skills that you've learned in, in data science in real world, you then started working last year and in your started working, you were employed now as a data scientist who is coming in to apply everything that you, you have learned. How does that look like? What is the journey to getting to that point for you? Yeah, so it was scary, right? It was exciting, at the same time scary. Exciting because I got uh, an internship uh, position and I'm like, finally, I can call myself a, a data scientist because, I mean, I'm going to have the work experience now. So I can finally say I have the career because after after studying, after getting all the certificates, can I actually call myself a data scientist? So getting the opportunity as an intern gave me the confidence, you know, that, yeah, I am that, you know. So, so it was exciting in that sense. But it was also scary because I'm thinking, do I actually know enough? You know, can I actually deliver? And mm. because of that fear, actually, I don't know. I don't know if I should say a fear or just something that pushed me. But I, I worked so hard, you know, to understand my work yeah. to, to an extent that I can teach someone. So I still took work as varsity. 
I still took it as a learning experience because I'm thinking, okay, I, I don't have varsity experience. So I, I still had that thing in me that mm, I don't have varsity experience. You know, I just have certificates. Now I met a serious job. Like it, it, it looked really serious. Like given the work that I do, it, it was really serious. And I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't disappoint myself, you know, and I really want this thing. I can't fail at it. So I still took my internship as as a learning experience every day uh, in my mind. I'm like, I'm learning, I'm learning. So my handover was actually really quick that when I actually started alone, I'm like, can I actually do this? Because, you know, the handover was not, you know, the person was not going into another position. They were just leaving the company. So they were gone. And I was left in that position alone and I could only talk to, you know, my CEO about questions. And, you know, when it's like that, I'm just like, I really can't just call this guy for anything and everything I need help in. Because, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, he's going to be questioning, hey, can she actually do the job? So that, that was what was going on in my mind. So... I took the handover process very serious. I went through the videos again. I, I did the work with the mindset that I am learning here. You know, I am still at school and, and, you know, I'm becoming a data scientist. So it was scary in that sense because now I had to deliver work and I'm thinking, can I actually do it? So because of the hard work, you know, so I was working really hard, even in the workspace, because I'm thinking, am I actually, you know, who I'm thinking I am? So I, I really took it with so much seriousness and also with so much determination because I'm excited that, okay, yeah, I got the job opportunity, but yes, I still have to deliver the work as well. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So watching videos and taking multiple courses is somewhat different from what you then find in the real world. I'm wondering what is it that you expected before you started and were your expectations met? Expectation versus reality. How did it look like for you as a young <laughs> scientist in this case? Yeah. So I was expecting the the cargo projects. <laughs> So, so in the process of learning data science, I was doing uh, Zindi project and cargo project. So that is what I thought it would be. You know, I thought all the time I was going to get a business case. And then I am like, you know, taking the data. I'm like, you know, developing something, writing code, visualizing, you know, the data in graphs and all of that. And then now giving a conclusion. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like that. Right. Part of it is that, but not all the time. Actually, 80% not that. It, it was it was something different. You know, I wish I could go into like the bits and pieces and the details of my work, but I really can't. But yeah, I was expecting that. I was expecting the project, you know, that I had while I was learning, but it was not that. It was completely different. Okay. Yeah, so completely different in terms of, you know, the the scenarios, but I mean, programming is still similar. Yeah. Okay. So talking about it being different in this case, how does a day in the life of a data scientist look like? 
Yeah. Ooh, I will use my Mondays. <laughs> I'll use my Mondays because on Mondays, that is when, you know, stuff is real. Life is real as, as, uh, as a data scientist. So I have a deliverable every Monday. And my deliverable includes, you know, getting data to, to the team that I'm working with currently. That data is very important for the company and they, they, they basically can't continue without me giving correct data, right? So, yeah, so that, that measure of importance really puts you at, at a point where you feel like you can't make any mistake, you know? And there's a whole lot of things that, that can happen with, with maybe data being, being not correct or, you know, missing something and all of that. Because, you know, first of all, the data that I get is coming from another team. So there's a whole lot of processes involved, you know, and, and these processes are linked to each other. It's more like a network, right? But I'm sitting there, I, I need to make sure that nothing is wrong, nothing is incorrect, and then the data, the, I can be able to deliver this data to the team, you know, because they themselves need to be able to use the data to do their own deliverable, you know. So I'm like kind of like the middleman between the team that is giving the data and the team that is using the data for, for the reasons that they use it for. So I think at, in the morning for that deliverable, it's like, you know what, I can't make a mistake. <laughs> I can't just, you know, miss this one. You know, everything has to be okay. So there is like that little pressure that is happening that, hey, I need to, I need to make sure that this is happening. I need to make sure that um, the team has correct data and it is correct. You know, it is, it is accurate. You know, because if it's not, they will look at it, they will come back to you and they say, we are noticing this and this and that. And then I'll have to investigate and investigate and then give the deliverable again. So you see how it's like, so there's like a, a bit of pressure here and there on the Monday. Once that is done, of course, I continue with like the daily work of projects. So, you know, depending on the on the dynamics and the magnitude of the project. Some projects are just a week. Others are just like, you know, two weeks. Others are a month. Others can take three months or longer, you know? So after that, you know, after the, the weekly deliverable, I now continue with my, with my daily work of projects. So I'm continuously working on, on projects. Some are longer than others. Yeah. Okay, that sounds amazing. And um, then there's the part of feeling really important. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> yeah, there's that part of feeling really important because to some extent, it feels like, you know, people can't move without you giving them data, you know, <laughs> without you, you know, finishing the project. Because like in the catch-up meetings, they'll be like, okay, after Mrendeni is done with this project, we're going to have to, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be using this, this results for, for one, two, three, four, you know? So yeah, the catch-up meetings are really interesting. They don't happen on a Monday. I think there's this problem that they saw and then you are like doing a project that, that is solving that problem. So yeah, there's the aspect of feeling like so important <laughs> and you just want to make sure that, you know, you deliver it 
before due date you know yeah it, it doesn't take longer because you still want to maintain that i'm important and yeah you need me to be able to to do whatever no, yeah that sounds yeah. that sounds amazing so earlier on we mentioned that you actually started your career as an intern right with the company that you currently work with yeah. As an insider, I also know that you seem to have a very or rather quite an in, an unconventional journey. Um, mm. Seem to be fast climbing the corporate ladder. Please let us in in that journey. Teach us your ways, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. So how how do I approach this one? Maybe I'll I'll approach it from the angle of that hunger that I have always been speaking about, hunger of becoming. So as I explained earlier that when I started as an intern, you know, I just wanted to get things right uh, because I wanted to become, you know. So with everything, I, I put in so much work, so much that I was now excelling more than the people I found there. Actually, more than the people who actually have more experience than me, right? Because I was putting in the work. I was I was just working hard. So I mean, even I was so I was like just really doing well in the space that I was in, in the role that I was given. That yeah, the people I found there, or and also the people who have like more experience in terms of education as well. Like I'm talking you have like your honors or you have your masters and all that like i just you know excelled more than them to some extent so because of that i got recognition in many areas so another advantage is this that i'm working for a consulting company that is giving data science solutions so where i am placed it, it, it's at a different uh, company so you know so the advantage i had was that you know, the people that uh, I am placed to work with in that team with that different company where I'm consulting at, you know, they're all constantly giving reviews to my CEO that, yo, this girl is doing so well. You know, I'm delivering things on time. I am, you know, I'm just like accountable and, and responsible for, for a number of things. And then also I have like my, my manager who's also saying that, I'm making so much progress in a short space of time. I remember this one time we had a review. He's like, you now know a lot. I would expect that, you know, you, you, it will take you about six months to be able to know these things. But you know a lot now and it's like just three months, you know. So, so yeah, I progress faster because of that, that hunger and that determination in me to become. So. Yeah, and then after that, I can't really say that, you know, I still had a hunger and all of that. I just maintained, you know, that attitude of doing well, of being dependable. I think that is also one one more important thing of being dependable. You know, if, if, if I'm given a task, they know that it will be done when it's in my hand, you know. So, so yeah, what happened is that my internship was for a year. But I got taken into a permanent role, I think, about six months in or so. Actually, less. I don't remember. I don't remember now. I should actually document those things. They're very important. But yeah, I got taken into a permanent role 
before uh, the internship uh, finished, right? And so now, okay, life continues. What then happened next is that the person who was my manager in that company that we are consulting at, like my line manager, we had to move with still within the same consulting company, but he had to be transferred to another company to consult there. So now that means there is a vacancy of a line manager within, you know, the company we had been in. Is that making sense? <laughs> it does. It does. Okay. <laughs> yes. So he had to move to another company, still employed by the same consulting company, but was moved to another company. And now we had a, a vacancy of, of the line manager within the company that we're still at. And then I was the, I was the girl, you know, I was the girl for the moment, the girl for the position <laughs> because, you know, even, I think even when he was still there, my managers at the consulting company, you know, had gained my trust. They had also placed more responsibilities in my hand and they knew I was capable. So the transition was not hard. They didn't have to scratch my, themselves that much. Um, yeah. It, it just was more like an obvious decision that they had to make. Really, I don't think it was obvious, but like, that's how I see it, guys. <laughs> that is how I see it. But yeah, that's that's what happened. So they then took me into that position. I guess before becoming the line manager and stuff, I had to become an acting manager first. At that point, I don't remember if, if it was still there or, or what was happening. I'm trying to think about it, but yeah, I don't remember, but like, so after getting the permanent role, I transitioned into being an acting manager and, and all of that. And then I finally occupied the line manager position. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, we are looking at you and very inspired. I just want to say it out loud. I'm your big sis. But I'm really inspired by the kind of work that you do and also your journey and your career trajectory. It's really inspirational. I don't want to lie to you. And Thank you. very, Thank you. very con unconventional as well, because I've watched your journey and I'm just like, this is very interesting. It's something to be studied there. <laughs> it's really inspirational. So what motivates you to actually wake up and do what you do every day? Good question. <laughs> what motivates me? Oh, yes, I know. I know what motivates me. <laughs> this one time I, I wrote in my diary that I want to be the best black data scientist in Africa. And, you know, I, I think the reason I had to think about that is that I so believed in that thing, you know, in that dream that it is part of me. I don't have to think about it anymore. You know, uh, I think most of the time when I'm doing even work, when I'm doing work, I do it from the attitude that I'm the best. So <laughs> I have so believed it that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to become the best, you know, data scientist in, in Africa. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's so, a... so that is what really inspires me. Yeah, I normally say that if your mind is in it, you can achieve it. And I know for sure that for as long as you've put your mind into doing it and having watched you my whole life, I know you will do it. I know you will do it. So 
I am here cheering on you and I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one who is cheering on you. I'm, I'm very proud of you. So do you have you. Any, any advice for the young professionals who have just started their careers? Yeah, for sure. I, I actually do. But, you know, I, I will always reference, you know, my journey and, and the things I experience in the workspace, though I will not be very transparent with them. But, you know, I will just try to generalize and I hope it will make sense. So the first thing is that for someone who is a young professional, you know, you just got to the workspace. Don't think you have arrived. Don't think that is the end. You should be thinking I am I'm learning, you know, and that's also the, the attitude I had. So, so look at it more like it's still varsity. You are still there to learn. So that attitude gives you the, the opportunity to take everything as it comes. And then now it allows you to become even more creative, you know, because when you come with the attitude that you, okay, I got a job, I have arrived. You, you are just receiving information with the attitude of to do like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then on Friday, I have to do this. On Monday, I have to do this. On Wednesday, I have to do this. You know, it, it becomes a, a to-do kind of attitude that you have. You know, I have, I have, to, I have this deliverable for this person, etc. You know, but when you have the attitude of learning, you, you become, you still become like an open-minded person. You are learning something. You are learning how to do it. And then you are able to take the knowledge that you have from your different backgrounds and leverage it for, for what you do, right? So that is the first thing. I think the attitude of I'm learning and I want to grow, that should be, you know, the, the first go-to type of attitude and mindset that one should, should actually run with as a young professional. The second one is being dependable, right? Being dependable comes with asking questions. I think a lot of people are not dependable, not by choice, but because of the things they don't do, right? People don't ask questions. So if you are given a task and you just want to, you know, put yourself in your own corner, do it by yourself, and then you are struggling. Now it's due date, you are being asked where it is. And you're like, actually, I had this question. I was struggling with that. This That is actually a worst case scenario to you know, after getting the task, it's the first day in and you're realizing, I don't understand this. And then you ask a question. So, a question. so I, I find asking questions really important, right? I think also there is a manner in which questions should be asked. Like there are people who just will come to you and say, how should I do this? <laughs> I don't think that's the right way of going about it, right? I think the best appro approach is one saying, okay, okay, I have been tasked with this one, two, three thing. I have looked at it. This is what I understand, right? So I am unclear about this and this sort of thing. You know, so people just want to ask for help, you know, please help me with one, two, three. But I think a lot of times the people who are like higher to you want to know, you know, what have you understood? What have you done about it and stuff? So people don't choose not to be dependable, but there are things that they're not doing. So, yeah, the second thing is being dependable. So that involves asking questions. 
asking the right questions the right way as well you know you wanna you wanna express that you are interest interested you wanna get it done and you know you you want to deliver the best work and so you you are inquiring so that you can do just that right being dependable the third one is i guess being accountable as well you know uh, i think people box themselves in in the in the attitude of saying okay this is my job i'm not gonna do anything else <laughs> So, but if you see that there is something else going wrong and you know how to do it, why won't you do it? So, but of course, it's something that you have to constantly communicate. So communication is the next thing, like communicate stuff, you know, communicate how far you are with something. It shows competence. It really shows competence. Like though a, a project can be three months, you know, but constantly communicate, you know, this far, this is how far we've gone. This is the number of things I have done. Like that looks really excellent. For me, it's working really, because I guess another thing that is helping is that at my workplace, there is work catch-ups. But for some people, those things might not be there. But if they're not there, you want to just arrange those calls. So in a case, in a situation where I'm in a project where I can't really talk about them in a, in a catch-up, you know, I arrange calls. So it's important to communicate how far you are because it will put you in the right direction. Sometimes you feel like you are doing things right, but you are not. And so getting guidance is always a good thing. So communicating, I, I just want to draw a bit more on that by saying, so for me, it really looks good when I'm tasked with a, a project and then I come back and say, and say, okay, now I've done one, two, three, I've, I've done the analysis part. Now I'm developing the solution. This is what I have done, you know, and then I list the things. Sometimes the things that I have done are not really that deep, you know, I will be honest. They are not that deep. They're very simple. <laughs> but because I'm communicating progress to a person who is receiving information, who is receiving that, that update, it sounds really good. It sounds, I'm not sure what other word to use, but it, it looks, it looks like you are making progress, you know? So, so I, I guess what I'm saying is that don't undermine the work that you are doing. If you even if you've done three simple things, you know, when you are giving an update, talk about them. I find sometimes when people are giving the work updates, they will just give like the overall big thing, you know, and then to people who's receiving the information, they still have questions. Okay, how, you know, what, etc. So if if you give information or communication in so much detail you know it gets to communicate the progress that you are making and how fast you are making the progress it is actually gives off that that message as well of how fast you are doing it you know because you're saying i've done one two three four five six though they were simple anyway <laughs> right so yeah the ability to communicate is also an important one what other thing? Yes, I think this is now on a social level, right? For myself, I think maybe that that is how I grew up. That is how, you know, mom taught us to do things. You know, we are never in talks. We are never in, <laughs> you know, we are never fighting with one neighbor or the other or in the streets, you know. So I, I think mom has protected us from from such a lifestyle. 
So even in the workspace, I, I, I really recommend it to people. Don't find yourself in, in work politics, in talks, especially if you're young, a young professional, you don't know a lot uh, about people and all of that. Because, you know, people talk and they will talk about people and sometimes you're like, okay, how does that concern me? But anyway, they're giving you the information. And because it is in our human nature to just keep talking, you will find yourself talking to another person about that thing, you know? And now maybe it will look like that story generated from you. So I think people should just avoid work conflict as much as they can, you know? You are there for work. You are there to improve yourself. You are there to grow. So stick to that. And things like work politics are very quick at destroying your vision, destroying your dreams, and actually covering the work that you do because you are you are a brand first, you know, before the work that you give off to to your team. So once you your name is in like the mud like what it, what it, once it is tarnished about a whole lot of different things people start seeing that beyond the excellent work that you are doing so just avoid work politics as much as you can if someone is telling you something just like oh that is interesting i hope they get better or i hope yeah just just leave it there let it be a short conversation sometimes don't even listen you know because for me if i hear information about someone it somehow just changes how I see that person. So I always try to avoid seeing people different because of what I was told, you know, because now you will start seeing a, a manager or someone who is really important at making decisions that can promote you. You see them in a tougher way and unconsciously you start behaving towards them in a, in a certain way. So avoid work politics, avoid stories of people. They don't concern you, just be at work, to to grow yeah okay this is a mouthful if you're listening out there and you're a young professional actually not just a young professional anyone who's listening I think this applies to a whole lot of people this is how Mirandini do things and yeah so I hope you have taken something from the advice that she's given and you're able to move with it and I, I just want to get into the the challenges side right any rosy journey is not without challenges and i think when you're moving and you're navigating the workspace there has to be some sort of challenges that you face along the way at least i believe what has been some of your challenges and how have you dealt with them okay i think the the challenges i've experienced most of them are self-inflicted <laughs> <laughs> because for example one of my weaknesses in my character is not being able to say no so you know so I think there are times where I would get work coming you know it's just like a lot of work and I'm not communicating that okay now I'm working on one two three I am like just receiving work and of course you know if anyone gives you work they have expectation that they, it will be done right so i think that that is one of the things that i experienced not uh, being able to say no and then because of that i would find myself so overwhelmed like i'd be so overwhelmed and so tired 
and that made me or that made my life to revolve around work you know because i'm always thinking okay now i'm done with this one i have to go into this one but yeah that has taught me a lot you know it taught me a big thing in my life to be able to say no because for the longest time i was just a person who's not able to say no because i'm feeling better about it i want to help and and etc so over time i have learned to to say no you know and and communicate as well so now the the strategy i'm using is priority right because the work i receive of course is from the same team but different people so in our meetings i just have like some sort of a presentation where okay i'm working on one two three and then this is the priority level are you happy with the priority level? So the priority is communicating. I'm working with this first, with the second, and then after this, it will be that. And then if, if they're not happy, they will advise, okay, we'd suggest you start with this because it's more important. That way I'm able to work on things more calmly. But yeah, the challenge I had would be me being so overwhelmed about work. And, you know, now, my life is just revolving around work i can't do every other thing if i'm doing them i would do other things in my life tired you know so but yeah i'm glad i overcame that as i said it's something that used to happen but over time i've learned to prioritize things and all of that yeah okay that, that is one of the the challenges i've had i think it's a, it's the big one <laughs> it's the big one and yeah I, i'm glad you know now we are we are managing it. Yeah. 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 That sounds beautiful. I'm happy for you. I'm happy you're in that state and you're able to really prioritize. And I think more than anything, the knowledge that work, life is not just about work is very important. Yes. I'm yes. hard way myself, <laughs> but yeah. sorry for another day, but it's really important yeah. for, for one to actually remember that this life is not just about work we have other parts of our lives that yes, yes. nourish if anything work is but just a fraction of our lives and should be treated like that yeah so i want us to move now to some of the work that you do outside your work talking about work just being part of things you do you've recently launched a ue I'm not going to try and explain what you is. I think I would give you this opportunity to tell us what you is about and what inspired studying that organization. All right. That is an exciting one. It's still fresh. I'm still very, you know, passionate about it. So yeah, I have recently launched an organization, which is Youth Unemployment Intervention. And if you were to ask, what do we do? We do just that. Um, we are intervening in the so bad um, unemployment rate that we have at the moment in South Africa. So how we do that is we equip the youth with basic computer skills that will help them to earn entry-level uh, job opportunities. So through computer skills. So at the moment, we are mainly focusing in Microsoft Office 365, mainly Excel, Word, PowerPoint, Outlook, and Power BI, as well as, right? So, yeah, so, so this is like a, a very great um, initi initiative, you know? We're trying to reduce the unemployment rate. 
and that the gap we are bridging is <laughs> koa. <laughs> right? Uh, the gap we are bridging is the skills development, you know. So a lot of times you find that you are a person who's coming fresh out of university. You want to now apply for jobs. When you look at the job requirements, most of the time when you apply, you know, they want experience in this, they want the skill, they want this, they want that. But where would you have gotten that? I think our school system at the point has not really advanced to that extent. You know, you are not equipped fully for the workspace. At least that is my perspective, that you are not really equipped fully for the workspace. So at the core of our mission is to make sure that we are training people to be job ready. So we are making them to be job ready and not just be job seekers. Because a lot of people are just sending out CVs everywhere. They will tell you, I've sent, you know, 15 CVs. I've been marketing myself. I've been sending CVs, but they're not getting responses. But why? It's because there are things that employers are looking for that you probably do not have in your CV. You know, they're looking for a skill. They're looking for that and you don't have that. So we want to give people that skill that is going to make them work workplace ready. So additionally to giving them the technical skills, that would still not be enough. So we also help them to, to build professional CVs that will have all of that information and actually the necessary information that employers are looking for in their CVs. We help them to build professional or outstanding LinkedIn profiles as well, and then just help out in the job application. So in, yeah, part of the process is that, you know, after you have went through our skills training program, we will do the CV write up, the LinkedIn profile build, and then you know, just just refer, you know, the, the, the talents, our talents to, you know, recent job listings that are there. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that is what we do. Yeah. Uh, that sounds amazing. And you've just started. So how has the program progressed thus far? How is it going? It's been going so great. I was shocked myself, you know. Every day I, I get shocked. <laughs> You know, it's so amazing how you can sit down and just imagine a vision and all of that. And now when it starts coming to life, you're just like, okay, is this happening? Is this happening? (laughs) So I remember this one day I woke up and I had 18 registrations in, in my application link. And I got so scared. I'm like, I have 18 lives on my hands. I have to deliver. So... You know, and seeing so many registrations and we have just launched in August, it shows me the potential of the business. It also shows me the need that is there, the demand that is there. I got touched by someone when I posted uh, the, the, the flyer for, for uh, youth unemployment intervention. And the person just replied, you know, they're like, so they're like, okay, how do you work? So they they i think the way they replied to the to my 
whatsapp story was was interesting i wasn't sure whether they want to assist because at the same time while i'm asking for people to register there's times where uh, i try to ask for people to be part of the vision to help with their own skills and you know whatever they can do to make this vision a possibility so i wasn't sure if she was asking in terms of helping you know the vision helping with the work you know or is she trying to apply? So I asked that question, right? And then her response was like, Morendeni, I just want a job. That statement alone just hit me so hard, you know? It, it made me feel emotional, but at the same time made me feel how how needed um, this this initiative is to the world. A lot of people are lacking skill and actually want employment. I can imagine someone who's just looking for a job, but they don't know what they're doing wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? You know, sometimes it reflects to that. People start thinking, what's wrong with me? You know, is it bad luck? Why am I not getting a job? But it is simply that there's just not enough skill that you know um, a lot of employers are looking for so that is the gap that we are bridging in the community and it's been going so well it's been going so well the the registrations have have increased and i believe they were still increasing until we start in october yeah so right now in october we're going to be running some sort of a pilot skills training so people are not going to be paying for that knowledge that they will be receiving but they they will be paying for for receiving a certificate because we had to partner with another company that is already accredited they have accredited material and all of that so it makes sense for them to issue um certificate and so because of that they're going to be paying for that but we wanted to run a pilot uh, type of uh, skills training program for us to be sure that we are ready for the real work that we will be doing in the following year. So it's been exciting. It's been an overwhelming road as well, because in the mix of everything, there is questions like, are you accredited? So we are in the process of getting accreditation and that alone requires a whole lot of things like you need to have a venue. So the QCTO is saying you need to have a venue. The venue must have an OHS audit, like an, an occupational health and safety audit. You need to have a business plan, you know, so there's just like a lot of boxes to take, you know, to get the accreditation. And then preparing for this pilot training program, also, it's it's a number of things like where are people going to be at and, and all of that. But we are ticking those boxes every day and we are ready. We are actually we are getting ready and to some extent we are ready for it. Yeah. Wow. I am so proud of you again. I have said it before, but I am actually going to say it again. Yeah. <laughs> it is so sitting here and giggling. Yeah, my little sister who's not so little anymore, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where did time go? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so how do people actually become part of UE? Okay, so they can register themselves. We've got a registration link. I think maybe, am I able to share my number here? Yeah, go ahead. So they can contact the number and then we send the registration link. Okay, so my number is 
3141. So yeah, if a person reaches out to me, I'll be able to give them all the details in terms of how the, the training will be facilitated this October and I'll give them the registration link. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Also, just to plug your Instagram page for the people who would like to reach out. Yes. It's uh, Yui something. Please. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. So, we usually call it YUI. So, yeah. Makes it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, on Instagram, we youth unemployment underscore intervention. So youth unemployment underscore intervention. So on Facebook, Facebook, you can simply type YUI or just type youth unemployment intervention. You will find it. Okie dokie. This sounds amazing. And this conversation was really refreshing for me. And yeah, I'm happy for you. Like truly happy for you. Thank I'm you. happy for your journey. I'm happy for where your journey has taken you it's it's beautiful to watch i think it's beautiful to watch someone that you've watched grow and watch them become whatever they see themselves to want to become and hey mom i hope you're listening Yeah, this has been really lovely. So I want us to transition now to the letter. Before we do transition to the letter, though, is there anything that you would have loved to speak about and we did not? If there isn't, let's transition straight to the letter. I think we've covered a mouthful. We really did, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's move straight to the letter now. I'm going to give you a chance to read the letter in your own voice. Take it away, my love. Right. Dear 10-year-old Murindeni, I hope this letter finds you brimming with excitement for the incredible journey ahead. Your enthusiasm for life is infectious and it brings a smile to my face as I write to you from the future. You have a deep desire to be the best version of yourself, and that is truly admirable. I know that a life without pain is something you wish for deeply. While it's not always possible to avoid pain entirely, I want you to know that even during the difficult moments, you will find strength within yourself that you never knew existed. You will learn valuable lessons, discover resilience, and grow in ways you never thought possible. Never lose that childlike wonder and curiosity that resides in you. Keep exploring, keep asking questions, and never stop learning. The world is vast and full of wonders awaiting to be discovered by you. So, 10-year-old Murendeni, I am so proud of the person you are and the person you will become. Your future is bright and I can't wait to see all the incredible things you wish to accomplish. With all love and admiration, your older self. Murindeni. Murindeni. <laughs> all right, everybody listening at home, this is a goodbye. 
That was just a beautiful letter. Bye, Murundini. Bye. Thank you to everyone listening. Thank you for having me in this podcast. This is exciting. Thank you so much. Yep, it was exciting. Definitely. Yep. Bye. Thank you for joining me in this episode of She Talks Tech. If you enjoyed our discussion and found it inspiring, I encourage you to follow and share the podcast. By doing so, you will never miss an episode and can help spread the empowering stories of women in technology and STEM. Let's work together to break barriers, shatter stereotypes, and build more inclusive and diverse future. Join the conversation, follow and share the She Talks Tech podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to having you with me in the future.